Welcome to the Rain Insights on COVID-19 podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. Let's listen as Rain founder David Lawrence speaks with Dr. Fred Southwick for our weekly coronavirus update. Fred, again, um, a great honor. Why don't we sort of review? I know, Fred, you particularly were focused on the data here in the United States as uh, posted by Johns Hopkins. You saw it as a great source of uh, promise and optimism. Uh, can you share with us what it, what it reveals? Yes, David. Uh, since the, uh, the use of the vaccine, and we're getting up to about a single dose, up to about 61% of the population is now vaccinated, which is very exciting. And as we've talked about before, the vaccine not only protects the individual from being hospitalized or getting serious infection or dying, it also prevents them from spreading the virus to anyone else. And I think the data uh, shows this very, very clearly. Um, on on uh, June 3rd, there were 18,000 cases that day. So 18,000 per day. Keep in mind, in January, we had 300,000 cases per day. And then as far as deaths, on the same day, 603 deaths on June 3rd, as compared to 4,000, nearly 4,500 in January of this year. So these are very impressive. And yesterday, I understand New York City had zero deaths from COVID-19. So the vaccine is having very dramatic effects, far better than than uh, the non-pharmacologic uh, efforts that we've made with masks and distancing and avoiding crowds. Um, so uh, it, it, this vaccine is truly miraculous in its, its efficacy and its effectiveness. And it's, as an infectious disease doctor, I could not be more excited about these results. And just in terms of um, continued reports around the safety as well as the efficacy, uh, any perspective there, because there's still a relatively significant proportion of the population that has stated, and I think there was uh, recently a poll done out of Rutgers. I think it was focused on New Jersey, by the way, Fred, but uh, basically I think there was about 15% of the population um, under no circumstances would take the vaccine, and they, they cited distrust of government and safety concerns. Well, the, what has happened in the, for this vaccine is there is a website, VSAFE, where anyone can report a significant side effect. And as you recall, about a month ago, uh, when there were only seven, after only 7 million vaccinations with the Johnson & Johnson, they picked up the problem with thrombosis among childbearing uh, women. So they, that's incredible that they were to pick out a signal with after only 7 million vaccines. Well, as far as the Pfizer and the Moderna, they're over 200, I think we're up to maybe 300 million uh, vaccines, vaccinations so far. And there is no sig serious signal whatsoever. The major problem has been anaphylactic reactions, and that is between one and four per million and there is a distinct, uh, um, uh, expect distinct group that gets these. They are almost exclusively females, and they have a long history of anaphylactic reactions 
to multiple vaccines, drugs, etc. So it's you by history, you can predict who that will be, and they should be in a very protected environment with uh, medications prepared in case they do get an anaphylactic reaction. The good news is we have medications that can that can uh, abort this kind of reaction very very quickly. And it is it's uh, if you, but if you're in an environment where they don't have those things, uh, it can be fatal. So it's not something to sneeze about, but uh, it's um, it's really an ex- these vaccines are extremely safe. And the other exciting part, as this uh, recent epidemiologic data shows, is their efficacy as held up in the field. Often, when you do uh, a trial. The vaccines and drugs look really great, and then you go out into the more messy environment of the real world, their efficacy drops. That has not been the case with the Moderna and the Pfizer. They have maintained an efficacy of 90 to 95 percent, and they work in all age groups. Uh, They're protective, protective. So these are very, very exciting results. Fred, uh, I know you're very modest, but I'm going to draw something uh, out uh, because I know it, it will be the subject of an article. Uh, you recently completed um, an extraordinary model for vaccine efficiency, um, and it was tried and tested in the field. And um, the results of the number of people that could be vaccinated and, and scaling up personnel I'm sure will be of great interest broadly, not just in the current environment, but maybe if we have future events such as this. Uh, could you just could you maybe talk about the scaling of vaccines and the model you created and and how it played out in the field? Sure, I'd be happy to share this because I think it's it shows the power of lean or Toyota production system. And what happened is April fifth. The governor of Florida uh, declared that uh, the vaccine could be given to anyone 16 years or older. What that meant is I I work at the University of Florida. The University of Florida has 53,000 students that suddenly became eligible to be vaccinated. This was a logistic uh, nightmare, to say the least. Well, what we did is we got a 32,000 square foot uh, um, called the Champion Club in uh, Champions Club in the football stadium. We set up eight uh, vaccine stations with 20 vaccinators and a total of 78 volunteers. And we were able to achieve in a 10 hour period, 5,000 vaccinations over a 40 day period. We uh, vaccinated 35,000 individuals. Now, I trying to, I'm hoping to report this in the literature. You never know whether something will be published and it's going to be need peer review. But we averaged the median duration from checking in for an individual to check in to receiving the vaccine and walking out was 11 minutes per vaccinee. So this meant that you could drop in and within 11 minutes, you could be vaccinated. And when we compare uh, the number of vaccines 
that were given out by in this individual site to the state of Florida. The Alachua County represents 1.2% of the Florida uh, Florida population. During this time period, we actually achieved 2% of the entire state of Florida's vaccinations during that period, this one site. And I've also looked in the literature to see what's out there. And uh, one example is San Diego. They used the uh, football stadium uh, and a 280,000 uh, square foot parking lot to give 5,000 vaccines per day. They used 300 personnel to achieve that. So 3.4 times the number of personnel to achieve the same goal as we did with 78 individuals, all volunteers. So it shows the power of, of this kind of technology when you continually make things more and more efficient and effective. And um, I didn't want it lost uh, on the audience, but Fred referenced uh, sort of the Toyota methods of efficiency in terms of distribution uh, and engineering and assembly. And I know, Fred, that you've spent a fair amount of time uh, studying the Toyota model and seeing how that can be incorporated to achieve greater efficacy, efficiency, and lower the error rates in hospitals around a wide range of procedures, but obviously most recently applying this to uh, the vaccines and uh, scaling out the administration of the vaccines. Yes, David, if, if we could do this throughout the health system, the estimate is that you could increase productivity with the same number of people by three to fourfold. And that's exactly what we did with the same number of personnel, with, with one, uh, one third to one quarter of the personnel of the San Diego mass vaccination site, we were able to produce the same amount. So what this would mean is that an individual health center could be almost four times as productive. And the beauty of this is what you simplify everything and safety is dramatically improved. Errors drop by 99%. So it's a double win. And uh, I would encourage anybody, I happen to have a course that's free on Coursera called Fixing Healthcare Delivery 2.0 Advanced Lean, which actually describes the use of uh, how you time uh, different work processes, how you map them out and create what we call value streams and determine where there's areas of waste and how to eliminate them so you become more and more efficient and more and more effective. Fred, let me switch gears around the data concerning the Indian strain of this virus and what the data is showing and sort of the virulence of that strain. There's been a fair amount of coverage, and what I'd like to do is just sort of let our listeners know what we know about it, uh, its virulence, and also the effectiveness of various vaccines against it. But as people think about the summer and travel, the strain is showing itself in different parts of the world, including in, in Great Britain. It's certainly something worth watching and, and, and being informed about. So what can you share with us? We're learning more and more about this mutant. It's called B1.617.2. And it has 12 different mutations in the spike protein. But the ones that seem to be most important 
are uh, a, a tyrosine shifted to a lysine at 478 and a proline shifted to an arginine at 681. And uh, the, it appears that this T478K um, enhances the affinity even uh, high, greater than the original UK mutant, which was so infectious, the B1.1.17. They have reported in the British newspapers that this mutant, the Indian mutant B1.617.2, is 60% more efficient at spreading than the original UK variant. That means over 100% more efficient than the wild type mutant. So this means that non-pharmacological methods, you know, masks and distancing are, are not going to be very effective, uh, even less effective with this variant than with the UK variant. And it's interesting, in the United States, the UK variant has begun to take over uh, here. So far, we don't have the Indian mutant, but it's in Australia and in Great Britain, it's taking over very, very rapidly because if it's more efficient, then it will become the predominant uh, infecting virus, and that's what's happened. Now, they have also just today in Lancet, they actually described uh, trying to see what the neutralizing antibodies were uh, using the Pfizer vaccine. So they took people that had gotten one dose of the, of the vaccine or two doses of the vaccine and looked two or three weeks after, and they take their serum and they dilute it out to see at what concentration it kills this virus versus wild type. Well, it turns out that it takes its um, much lower dilution uh, is, is effective. So you cannot dilute out the serum as much and kill this virus. So the neutralizing antibodies are decreased from, its, I think it was 1 to 2,000 to 1 and 250. So it's quite a bit less uh, sensitive to antibodies in your blood after vaccination. We do not know whether that is going to reflect, be reflected in a decreased ability to protect. But we do know also if you get one shot, if you've only had one shot, that in many cases you the serum doesn't protect very much at all. So uh, it's emphasizing that we must, for these two vaccines, you really need to get both doses to be protected against this variant. It looks about the same as the South African variant, B1.351, which uh, also shows a decrease in neutralizing antibodies. And that particular variant has shown decreased efficacy for AstraZeneca and J&J &J vaccines, but the Moderna and Pfizer, there hasn't been a detection of decreased efficacy as yet, even though there was decreased neutralizing antibodies for both those vaccines as well. The bottom line is get both doses of the Moderna and Pfizer. And if you have received those, you will in all likelihood be protected from this mutant as well as the South African mutant. And I also assume you're going to be staying very close to the data to see what else happens. Yes, it's coming out fast and furious. And, and one of the things that the CDC is doing the WHO is doing 
is they are doing full genome sequences of many of the viruses that are being detected in newly infected individuals so that they can keep an eye on these variations and they become variants of interest when they show defect in neutralizing antibody titer. And that's how they're actually detecting them at this point, using neutralizing antibodies in full genomic sequence in the entire virus. A few minutes we have uh, remaining as uh, businesses begin to open up. What's the advice that you're giving to businesses in terms of how to prepare their physical plant and what to have available for their people? David, this is a real conundrum for the business world because you need to know which of your employees are vaccinated because those that are vaccinated, as I've already described, they have a 96% efficacy with regards to protected from spreading virus to others. So if you're vaccinated, you do not need to wear a mask. You can go about life as normal. And the other beauty is if you were to become exposed to someone with a virus, a known close contact for over 15 minutes in a closed space, you do not need to be tested unless you develop symptoms. Because we know with a vaccine that there are no asymptomatic carriers. So this is really good news in that if you're vaccinated, business does not need to repeatedly test those that are vaccinated. They're only going to have to test those that are not vaccinated. The cost of testing and quarantining is a real drag on the bottom line. And I think businesses are going to have to come to grips with, do they want to take this huge expense of continuing testing and quarantining for those that do not want to get vaccinated? I don't have a definite answer for it, but I can tell you from a scientific standpoint, vaccination will save huge amounts of money in testing and in individuals having to quarantine and be out of work for a minimum of 10 days. Now, one of the questions is, okay, those that are vaccinated don't need to wear masks. So that means you've got to verify that those individuals are truly vaccinated. And this is another issue that's raised and another concern. And one of the things that I've been thinking about is you really need a visual control, some indicator that people wear at work who are vaccinated, saying that they are truly vaccinated. And then I know I saw an app in New York, New York City, where they actually have an app that verifies electronically that you were vaccinated through the Department of Health. And I think probably you're going to need some sort of verification like that and possibly a bracelet, a little uh, wristband or some other indicator that, that you're actually vaccinated and that therefore you won't have to mask. But those that are unvaccinated will have to mask and probably shouldn't gather in large numbers in closed spaces. And I assume you're also advising um, continued availability of hand sanitizer, airflow circulation, and, you know, as you say, appropriate social distancing and mask wearing. Absolutely. But uh, the hand sanitation, it turns out not to be that important, but certainly should be done. I really recommend that all businesses enhance their building ventilations 
not only because of COVID, but there will be other viral outbreaks. This would reduce the incidence of influenza. The more I've studied this, the more cost-effective improving the ventilation of your buildings really is and will save a lot of money. Okay, and uh, only because we have all discussed this before, uh, there's the biological considerations and there are the psychological considerations. And people seeing that uh, offices are being cleaned, knowing that air filtration system, maybe even temperature checks, hand sanitation products, and obviously a certain degree of physical spacing tends to make people feel better. And as they emerge, they need to obviously um, be protected, but they also have to feel safe as well. I couldn't agree more, David, but uh, on that point, if you're vaccinated, believe me, a huge weight comes off your shoulders. I can personally attest to that. I could not go in the hospital. I was very fearful of going in the hospital until I received the vaccine. And two weeks after my uh, first dose, I actually was an attending on the wards and I was not nervous because I knew how efficacious this vaccine was. So all these non-pharmacologic efforts really make those that are unvaccinated feel safe. But if you're vaccinated, you are safe. It's a great closing note, Fred. We'll continue to monitor and keep people posted. Stay safe. Thank you, David. Have a great weekend. Individuals and organizations turn to RAIN for risk intelligence that cuts through the hype to focus on what they need to know, what to expect, and what to do. The hub of RAIN service is the democratization of information and expertise. Subscribe to RAIN's core membership and let us power your business to success. Learn more at RAINNetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E Network.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.